You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we begin a look at phase four of the MCU, and we're beginning with the 2021 film, Black Widow. Here to discuss the film with me is a returning guest, a man who is my taskmaster to my Drakov, which I, now that I say it, realize that that's not true because Alan's not my child. (laughs) <laughs> and he's not even and he's not even spoilers and he's not even <laughs> in this universe he's not in the avengers world he's in the x-men world he is mr new mutant how are you took my chevy took my chevy to the levy but the levy was dry <laughs> that's right you gotta you gotta get that uh let's see it's david harbour but it's alexi oh shasfiskus let's see Shostakov, Shostakov, yeah, that's how you say. Oh, okay, I've got that. I've I got wanna, the Wikipedia actually, pulled wanna, up so I can make sure that oh, I get these names right. <laughs> right on, pronounce them well. Pronounce mm-hmm. you don't want them mad at you. That's true. I had that, to do an Andrew Shaw though. That was an Andrew Shaw. Oh, you have to do that, don't you? Mm, I like it. That's I right. Want to do it like he does it. Yeah. So before we get into our discussion, I should mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate uh, Noise that Network. Was, that was it. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Alan, what is it that you are drinking this evening? I'm on my second. Uh-huh. If, you, if you hadn't gathered. <laughs> Amaretto Sour, man. Ooh, like, I like uh, it. In a large McDonald's cup. Large McDonald's cup, okay. In a large McDonald's cup. So I have... Uh, I have something to to probably disappoint you, I would say. Uh, Surely not. Because it is, as of recording, it is uh, the middle of January, and my wife and I are doing dry January. So I have a sparkling ice lemon lime with zero sugar and vitamins and antioxidants. So this is maybe the, uh, maybe like the third or fourth or maybe even fifth recording that I've done in the history of the show where I have not had huh. anything alcoholic to drink. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm, I feel like a lush. <laughs> well, that just explains to you why I'm such a sourpuss today. <laughs> I'm, so cr- <laughs> I'm just so cranky. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to, Alan. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so that well, is what we're drinking. This is the film that we're going to talk about. And before we get into the IMDb plot synopsis and talk about what we thought about the film, Alan, it is controversial, is it not, that we are talking about Black Widow first instead of WandaVision? Because if people remember, after Avengers Endgame, it was WandaVision that came out next, Mm -hmm. right? Sure was. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing WandaVision (laughs) first. because the intent, the intent was that Black Widow would come out before WandaVision. Of course, we know why it did not. Uh, but this was originally supposed to be a 2020 film, and it came out in 2021, mm. a few months mm. after WandaVision did. So that is why we are discussing Black Widow first. And it makes sense. 
once you see Black Widow and you keep that in mind. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so um, before getting into the discussion, the, the film is directed by uh, Kate Shortland. It is written by Eric, Pe- Eric Pearson, Jack Schaefer, and uh, Ned Benson. And one of the things that I want to get sort of uh, your opinion on right away is mm-hmm. before the, mm-hmm. the plot synopsis is something that I noticed about phase four uh, to this point and that it is a lot more of a it's like Marvel's attempt at trying to be more diverse and have more women in front of the camera and behind the camera and I think that that's sort of what phase four for me is like summed up as to this point because like I told you before we started recording obviously Kate Shortland the director is a woman one of the writers Jack Schaefer who is the the uh, screenwriter and the showrunner of uh, WandaVision is a woman and then we have this film that is starring mostly women and then we have you know from this we go into WandaVision that is mostly about Wanda like visions there of course but it's mostly a Wanda uh, series and then from that to even things like Eternals or mm. Ms. Marvel coming out soon or She-Hulk or what have you. It's just a lot more female driven. And I think that it's um, I don't know that I don't know that that's why some people are a little uh, colder on phase four, but I wouldn't be overly shocked. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And my and yeah, I you want my opinion. About that? <laughs> no, I just wanted to bring it up right away. <laughs> okay so because i'm for it uh-huh absolutely i'm i'm 100 for it. are you kidding me i'm ready to bust the patriarchy <laughs> i'm ready like tear all this shit down i'm like ready it. for it so i like it yeah all right so all that preamble what as alan called before we started recording the pre-ramble uh is, is- <laughs> <laughs> it's probably at its limit. So let's go ahead and kick Trademark. off our discussion of uh, 2021's Black Widow. I tell people my sister moved out west. You're a science teacher. Your husband, he renovates houses. You're thinking about moving, but you're going to wait until the interest rates go down. That's not my story. <laughs> I was an Avenger. I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated, fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? We have to go back to where it all started. So they never do that to anyone again. We're a family. We fight with you. You won't win. I've always found it best. Not to look into the past. Shall I just stay duck and cover? My plan was to drive us away. Well, your plan sucks. Mm -hmm. 
some point we all have to choose between what the world wants you to be and who you are. I made my choice. I'm done running. Here's what's gonna happen. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get a big hunch. Listen to your mother. Oh my God, this- Up, up, listen. All right, enough, all of you. I didn't say anything. That's not fair. And the IMDb plot synopsis for the film goes like this. It is very uh, short and sweet for most of the Marvel synopses, but it says, in Marvel Studios' action-packed spy thriller, Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationship left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. Okay, so Alan, tell me about you and your history with the Black Widow character before getting into what you thought of the movie? Uh, well, the, my history with the character comes from the comic books. When I'm reading um, Avengers, when I'm reading back in the 80s, um, some Daredevil, mm-hmm. I'm remembering, um, specifically, I'm remembering how Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen inked Natasha Romanoff in this, just like a gray bodysuit. And mm-hmm. there was, um, what is it, the, the stippling, the um, dual tone to just shade the, um, her body, uh, like her body outline, mm-hmm. mostly from there. And, and, you know, that affected how I received Scarlett Johansson when she showed up in Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Because if they called her Natasha, they didn't call her Black Widow. And you know how it was in the early day, whenever somebody showed up in the movie that had a passing resemblance to somebody else in the comic book, we were all like, that's such and such. That's who was they're gonna what oh, I wanna see, are they going to what's gonna happen with But when it was Scarlett Johansson compared to the willowy and tall and leggy Natasha Romanoff in the comic books, I was like uh, little, uh, I don't know. I'm looking mm-hmm. for, I'm looking for something that looks eight heads tall. And Scarlet is, you know. But then again, nobody, no human being on Earth is eight feet, eight heads tall. But I thought she was just a little, little more compact than the Black Widow that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So that that was a lens that I had to shuck off in order for me to enjoy Black Widow. Yeah, I think that I read her just slightly later than you did because I was more of I was an X-Men person first and then Avengers later and so I think that I came across her maybe in like that like the Jim Lee issue with Wolverine and and Captain America like a 268 maybe Um, yeah and so I remember reading her then and then I also remembered the uh, the much maligned, which I frankly liked, uh, the Steve Epting drawn uh, Avengers with the jackets, the jacket era, right? Oh Lord! <laughs> and she was the leader of that group. It was her and, and uh, 
and uh, the Black Knight, right? Huh? Yeah. And so it yep. was them, and she had the sort of short red hair and had yes. the, and she had the little uh oh I forget what she called it, but she had the cuffs that they have in this movie that was around her wrist, and that was her power and and the, the widow's bite. Right. And I think that bite. what's interesting about that going into this movie is that for me, she was always the character that would have been the easiest to adapt because you don't need a lot of ridiculous superpowers. You don't need like a lot of crazy CGI. All you need to do is what they sort of do at the beginning half of this film, where it's, it's like a Jason Bourne sort of a story, but it's with Natasha instead of the Jason Bourne character, Mm -hmm. right? Where you have a lot of like close quarters fighting and you have a lot of spy, uh, you know you have a lot of spy stuff you have a lot of um history with family and knowing things and not knowing things and and uh and that sort of thing and so i always was like you know when when they were talking about oh are they going to give black widow her own movie i was like well yeah why the hell not like you've got you've got plenty of backstory you can work with you've got uh you know in retrospect it seemed like they were going to make it a little more pared down than what it ended up being because they really kind of are like well we got to do the marvel stuff in the second half of this film like once the red guardian shows up uh Mm -hmm. in in the present timeline it's like whoa we're really kind of stretching out the budget in the world uh from here but for (laughs) me if it was just if it was just yelena and um natasha that would have been totally fine for me Hmm. got it got it so what did you th- um, what did you think of the movie overall? Eric, oh, wait, 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 wait. I want I want to speak for the podcast for a second. Oh, sure. Oh, dear listeners, dear listeners, Eric said ridiculous superpowers. <laughs> this does not reflect the views of the plain label podcast <laughs> in general. Mm. We love superpowers. Super uh, listen to me taking over the whole podcast. <laughs> I love superpowers, man. I love to see them splashing across the screen. They're the best ever. That's why I like watching Marvel movies, man. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. I just mean that ones that are How hard, dare you? One of the ones that are harder to film. Well, I'll say it that way. <laughs> With pow- okay. Powers that are harder to film. I get you. Yeah, because I mean, they could have made a Black Widow movie in the 70s and the 80s and the whenever, but they couldn't have made a Thor movie back in those days and had it look the same. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which, in fact, they did make a Thor movie. Yeah. And it was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It was, (laughs) you remember what it was? It was on NBC. It was like the trial of the Hulk or something Mm -hmm. with Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. And they had a Thor that came into the into the cast it was Mm-mm. dreadful Mm-mm. i don't like that <laughs> yeah so what did you uh what did you think of this overall when you finally watched this did you go to the theater or did you watch this at home oh i went to the theater uh-huh i went to the theater because one i go alone always anyway mm-hmm. two i go to an early showing always because matinee prices hello mm-hmm. and three um, I like to sit like away from people. So I'm not, I'm not just sucking up the COVID. 
you know, I'm not somebody popping the popcorn and, and a little COVID comes out and now I'm sitting there infected. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, so my, my usual um, way of going to see the movies felt safe enough for me. So I went as soon as it was available and I got me a whole theater full of uh, Natasha and Yelena and Alexi and Milena and all sorts of and Antonia. And I had a ball. <laughs> yeah. And Antonia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I had a ball. I had a ball. And I also uh, did what I do in movie theaters when anybody's driving a car. And I protected myself <laughs> because you will. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know exactly what I mean, right? <laughs> because. And, and this is just something, if you guys don't mind and you love it, then go for it and, and just suck it all up and enjoy yourselves. But I actually literally despise being uh, watching a movie and having just suddenly a boom out of nowhere to scare mm-hmm. the living daylights out of me. <laughs> and so when Natasha is driving in her little car and it's just all seems like peaceful, I had my fingers in my ears <laughs> and I squished. I squished, I squinted my eyes and I'm like, whatever's about to happen, I'm going to get minimal instead of the maximum shock out of this. And true to form, she drove up on that road and then boom. And I was like, nope, no, thank you. Yeah, you missed out on it then. You missed out on it. That no, was I that was when we got our uh, our first glimpse of Taskmaster. What did you think of that as the the villain of the piece? I um well again another thing that Newton does is never watch trailers right mm-hmm. so as you previously discussed on other shows and so I heard unfortunately that he was going to be in there but I didn't expect much because I you know they're not going to have the Taskmaster from the comics in there they're just not they're not going to have um. They're not going to do it. They're not going to have the Taskmaster um, costume that I made when I was in my late teens uh, to a, like that was the first or the second costume I ever made trying to be a cosplayer back before cosplayers were the shit because they are the shit now. Mm -hmm. And they they don't play around. They they make costumes like movie, um, like movie set costumes. They, they carve, they, they uh, they do metal work, they do um, whatever that other stuff is resin, and make helmets and like Loki horns and all sorts of real looking stuff right out of the comic books, but not so much in nineteen in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the eighties, I had a little needle and thread, and I called my. I mean, there were scenes out of the comic books where that's that's how they made comic. That's how they made their costumes, right? Mm-hmm. You'd see like you would see somebody with needle and thread sewing their costume. So that's what I thought I was doing. Taskmaster's uniform. That was not going to be in this movie. And I accepted that. You didn't, uh, you didn't think we were going to get speak. You didn't think we were going to get the little hobgoblin, hobgoblin sort of uh, uh, like, what was it that what it's that style where they have the little, the Kate, like the hood on top. And it's sort of the, it's like a Spider-Man villain sort of, trope Mm -hmm. and they give that to the taskmaster normally right yeah like they weren't going to have that with a cape Uh uh-huh and a hood and a 
and a skull face mm-hmm. with with big bulbous eyes and just the teeth, just uh, <laughs> like a skeletal teeth for the, for teeth. Mm-hmm. I didn't think so, no. So I was all right with that. The fact that he didn't talk was even better mm-hmm. because the the only character that that I can tolerate on screen is Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Mm. When they have all these quips and all these ha ha's and just like third um, break the fourth wall and do all this stuff, Ryan Reynolds is good at that, and so I can accept that from his movies. But if Taskmaster is giving these quips and the things he kind of does in the comic books, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna feel okay for me. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna be a little too corny and a little bit drawn out and forced. So mm-hmm. the fact that this Taskmaster didn't talk. I was okay with it. Well, we already mentioned the fact that uh, we already did the spoilers with the with the whole Drakov and and that relationship with the Taskmaster. What this is a little bit of a, a trivia that I didn't know. Do you know what the real the the quote unquote real the uh, the the Marvel comic version? Do you know what that uh, Taskmaster's real name is? Tony something. It is Tony Masters. How yes. terrible is that? Tony Masters <laughs> and his name is Taskmaster. Right. Oh, that is so bad. Isn't it horrible? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> somebody at Marvel said, somebody at Marvel said, we have to follow, we have to follow the old tradition <laughs> of the corniest real oh, names for our heroes. I did not know that was what his name was in the books, and that about sent oh, me when yes. you were talking about. About Taskmaster, oh yeah, about spit my water yep. up. And did they <laughs> did they tell you? Did you find out when he was made? Because I know his first appearance was in uh, Avengers, back with George Perez was drawing him, but I can't remember when they gave him his civilian name. No, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. In, well, it, this is just Wikipedia, of course, but it doesn't say uh, in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that when they gave him his name, they were just like tongue for fully in cheek. We have <laughs> to do it like, like back in the sixties when they named uh, the thing Ben Grimm mm-hmm. and Johnny Storm and Reed, thin like a reed. Mm-hmm. You know they 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 were they were playing around. They were they were messing. So. I think somebody said, let's do this. Let's let's really cornball this up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So one of the things that I wanted to make sure and mention about this uh, about this film is I think that this is, for me, probably the most impactful opening credit sequence that Marvel has ever done. Right on. And what I think about that is from it from taking the Nirvana song and having it downbeat. And yeah, and then having it go through plot and and show you like here's how these girls were treated, here's yeah. what they were trained to do, here's um, the sort of separation of the quote unquote sisters. I just thought it it like that credit sequence is doing a lot of hard work, but it also doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's doing too much storytelling um while you're in it and i like that's what i was saying about i would watch a movie that's just that now that's Mm -hmm. a that's a much different tone than uh an mcu film because here we get those serious moments and we get natasha and she's 
trying to get away from Ross and poor, poor Ross. I mean, general Ross can't do, I mean, he can't get anybody. I mean, he doesn't, <laughs> he's having struggles with everybody. <laughs> so how does he keep a job? How does he keep his job? <laughs> That's right. Who does, who is he answering to? privilege i guess privilege. So. yeah he's Definitely. answering to some uh to some senator that's like half asleep or something i don't know what is <laughs> i don't know what, who his oversight person is but um so we go from that moment and what i like about it is it's very serious at the beginning with the young girls and their escape plan and i love that the the parents sort of prepped them for this but they were never really like really ready for this uh, we get the young versions of Yelena, who is uh, Violet McGraw, who we had mentioned before uh, recording that um, we had talked about Mike Flanagan briefly, and she is the young girl in Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, wow. So I was very familiar with her, and I'm like, oh, man, she can be crushing. <laughs> she mm-hmm. can be very emotional. And then I think she's also been doing some... Uh, some commercial work. Uh, so Violet McGraw for being such a young lady is kind of a little bit all over the place mm-hmm. uh, and, and fairly recognizable, but uh, we get those moments of the bond between the family. And I really enjoyed that opening action bit where they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're running away and we get all of this stuff and all of it's working for me really well mm-hmm. because I like the serious and the dark and the, depressing and that kind of thing and what i think that the Mm. film does such a good job of is it goes from that dark place and to the ross moment that i mentioned and it slowly takes you out of that very serious tone and puts you into more of an action adventure kind of piece because then we go to yelena and we get to see uh florence Pugh, and she's you know, they're, they've got some hit and they're doing more Jason Bourne type stuff that I had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And we get to see sort of her being controlled and her, you know, killing someone that she's obviously friendly with. And it's, it's just like a slow uh, scene by scene, taking us out of the dark and depressing and pulling us into more of an action film. And then when you're in that action film, then you get to see pieces of Yelena quipping with her sister and you get to see that very strong uh, way that they wrote Yelena's character as being real sassy and real mouthy and real sort of, (laughs) um, you know, not afraid to stick it to her sister kind of a kind of a thing. Right. And then it goes from there until finally we get to the point where we're going to go all the way up to the height that we're going to go to with the reintroduction of David Harbor and him. And you get his, you get a little bit of his character, uh, his character flaw right away, right. Where he's not captain America. He's not what he used to be. Um, You get a little bit of that right at the beginning of the, of the movie where he's talking about how he's ready to put the, the costume on again. He's ready to be red guardian again and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I was like really impressed the second time around because my wife and I watched this um, when it first came out on Disney Plus. Mm. And then watching it for this, I was really impressed with the way that they sort of just sl- kind of sneakily ratcheted up how much uh, fun we we're going to have in each scene to where I was like, this is an Eric mm. movie. And then it slowly became an Alan movie. <laughs> like <it> just. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it just sort of became like, all right, so yes, she's got that 
grounded stuff in there, but we're going to also have a fun uh, plot that she's going to be following as we go. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, the beginning scene that you're talking about, of well, the beginning scenes, when the family's making their escape, mm-hmm. I also liked how they subtly, subtly, and without uh, a lot of fanfare and a lot of attention drawn to it, how they introduced the fact that Alexi had superpowers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. otherwise it could have just been a um, family running away from the authority for whatever reason. I still, you know, at that point, you still don't know exactly why they're running away, but then now we get in, into a plane and Alexi just, and I don't even know that his name was Alexi at this time. Like no, no um, Russian identity was mm-hmm. there in the in in those scenes but there he is flipping over like this huge cart mm-hmm. just flipping it all the way over mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and now the family's getting away in a plane and he stayed behind to shoot at whoever's coming who was by the way shield agents did you notice that part you know i didn't were run- i didn't see any insignias but that was my assumption i saw the insignia mm-hmm. it was on one of the um it was on one of the the cars one of the cars that said shield or else i wouldn't have known and i only saw it in the second viewing not not the first time Mm. so it stood out to me now he's running after this this um plane that's taxiing down the runway and i'm thinking wait what how (laughs) right (laughs) what do we how how?" and then he jumps on the wing and he's riding the wing of the plane Mm -hmm. he's hanging on to it and he's flipping back and forth like it's it's buffeting him so yes but i'm thinking this is not just an ordinary dude this is this is not just an ordinary super spy this unless uh, even james bond but this if he can flip over a, a a truck and things and and run after this plane and grip it then there's something more going on and again i didn't watch the trailer so I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure that he was playing the Red Guardian or anybody else. Oh. I, and that's what I love. That's what I love about not seeing trailers, mm-hmm. because if you don't see what's coming and you don't know whose cast is what, even to find out whose cast is what, if you don't know that stuff, then the story you get to see if the story tells you that stuff effectively. Mm. Right. But if you're going into a movie, with all the facts not all the facts but if you're going into the movie knowing this is who this is and this is this is and this character is going to be in it and this character is going to be in it then you're just sitting there waiting for the character to show up and you don't get a chance to see how the movie introduces these characters and the subtleties that are still there mm-hmm. i think that one of the things so that works that, be- that's what i appreciate yeah one of the things that works better for me in that is um is watching a trailer for um a marvel series because a Marvel series, the trailer will give you like a little bit of something, but you're you're not sure like when this is going to happen or what episode that's going to happen or who is going to pay off this. And so, yeah, you do get some of the, oh, this character is supposed to be or this actor is supposed to be this character. But at least most of the most of the plot is uh, pretty much under wraps to where here you see that trailer and you're like, oh, shit, they're going to get the Red Guardian out. And now there looks like it looks like a shield type of a thing is falling from the sky and they're flying around in there. And so you're like, well, <laughs> once they get up into the uh, 
the red room or whatever it is called uh, when they get up there. That's what it's called. Yeah. And uh, once they get up there, I'm like, huh, I, I guess I wonder if this is going to maybe come crashing down or not. <laughs> right. Because mm. that was one of the things to where I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> this comes crashing down. She starts flying through it and what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagine just try to cast your imagination into the possibility of not knowing that there was a big floating platform that was going to come crashing down at any time, right? Because there's there's a scene where, and there's a lead into where they've been looking for the red room up to um, up to the point where they were captured, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole pre- the whole part of the like the I guess the second act maybe that Natasha and Yelena are are compelled to go find the red room and destroy the the bad guy and free all the uh, widows that have been controlled by this by the bad guy mm-hmm. and they have to find the red room to do that so you've got this middle part where they're searching for the red room that's why they had to go get alexi out of prison and why and then alexi said i don't know where it's at but i know somebody who does and then they go find mama melania mm-hmm. and and before and that whole search is like, okay, so how are they going to find it? What are they going to do? And when they get captured and they're going up in a, in a plane, that's when you find out that it's, it's floating. And just that one little revelation, instead of me already knowing that, that one little revelation was kind of a, a little zots. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. a, ooh, oh, shit, <laughs> it's in the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you, when, you, when you don't have certain clues and you don't have certain visuals, you can get those little thrills while you're watching the show rather than it's like, okay, let's go. Come on, let's get to the red room. We know it's in the sky. Let's go. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I thought was, um, it's just like, uh, I I don't know that I should be surprised by Marvel anymore, but I just am surprised time and time again of the people that they get to play different roles and how good they are in roles. So I think that it's, sort of without saying if anyone has seen this movie already, but Florence Pugh is so yes. good as you yes. right? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And so I knew, I knew her mostly from uh, Midsommar and just kind of, Oh, like I, I, I like knew who she was, but I, but Midsummer or Midsommar, however you want to say it is the, is the movie that I think I've seen her and really sort of paid attention to her. Mm-hmm. And then I knew that she was going to be in this, but I didn't really have like a firm grasp as to who she was. So I was like, oh, she's just going to be this character. Fine. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, she is sassy as hell. Like, I, I really liked <laughs> I really liked that sass. I really thought that some of the things that um, really played well is her groundedness to reality to where she's giving Natasha a hard time about being a poser. Right. <laughs> and she's saying, well, why do you do this? Why do you do this with your hair? And you get your arm out here. You're such a poser. And she's like, mm-hmm. you know, and Natasha's trying to be the Eric of the of the relationship. Like she's trying to be like, <laughs> you know, she's like, oh, I, I'm trying to save lives, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, but you're doing this. And you're like, you know, you're showing off as, as though everyone's looking at you all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that that was really good. Yeah. No, the conversation was good. But you know what I kept thinking? <laughs> I kept thinking, there's a there's a there's a guy st- standing right there behind the counter. Why are you having this conversation out loud, uh, yeah. <laughs> like right. in this place? 
It's like, you're talking about everything. Stop. Get out of there first. What are you doing? Yeah, that was interesting. They were, they were saying all of the things to that guy. All, all the things. She's an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other, just all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, God, well, if somebody's going to catch him, this is going to be the scene where they get caught because she's giving all the stuff up. Yeah. Right to this man who's just standing there. And he looked like he was impatient. Like, come on, ladies, <laughs> let's go. Get your stuff and get out. Mm-hmm. But for me, so I think that she's the sort of attention grabber, right? But for me, the the sort of one that brings it all together is Rachel Vice, is oh, Miss Vostokov, okay. right? And uh, yeah. I think that what is so good about Rachel Vice is she is she just has the sort of presence about her where she always seems like she's not in a panic Mm. Uh, to where like, I'm specifically thinking of the, the plane sequence that you mentioned at the beginning where she gets Mm. shot and she's like, Oh, I just need you to hold this. And she's like, Oh mom, you're bleeding. And she's like, yeah, it's okay. I just need Mm -hmm. you to, you know, pull this here and do this and that kind of thing. And she's just very maternal when I watch her. Uh, Mm. And I think that she is, uh, I don't know. I just think that she again brings like a groundedness to mm-hmm. the world. And I think that that's, it's really important because you have David Harbour, who's just at the top of like, how do I chew up every moment that I can? <laughs> right. Because he's <laughs> just like, was you, were you offended by his? No, I just, I wasn't offended. I just, th- I just thought that he was just, you know, he was going for the most. And I figured that he was going to be a guy that, because he was so outlandish, he was going to have a moment where he is able to heal that sort of pain point that he brings up at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to be the Red Guardian. Then you see him again, and he wants to be the Red Guardian, and he's never good enough to be Captain America. Mm-hmm. And so I love those sort of flawed characters, boy. That is my mm-hmm. sort of thing of he's got this one thing, much like how when we had talked mm-hmm. before about how I wanted more of that from the Captain America character to where I wanted more of the, he's got the little man syndrome to where he's just never going to be enough uh, because of how he grew up. Um, and that's what, that's what Red Guardian has to where mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not mm-hmm. Captain America. I'm never mm-hmm. going to be Captain America, but I could be, I could maybe get back into shape. I could maybe do this. I could do this again. I'll have my Uh, moment in the sun. And then, you know, he finally does get to sort of redeem himself in, in his eyes. And so I, I just think that that was because he was playing it so big. I was like, Oh, he's going to have some some sort of emotional uh, payoff here. He's got to, or else this wouldn't make any sense. For his self, for -hmm. for himself, not for redemption with the family or anything. No, just for right, just the way that he was playing, just the way that he was playing the character. I was like, there's no way they're going to let him be so big without giving him some sort of like emotional payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. And so what is, what's the payoff you saw? Well, it's when he's finally taking was on his fight with Taskmaster. Yeah, when he's finally he taking get- on Taskmaster. Uh-huh. And, and he del- he delayed Taskmaster long enough by getting wiped across <laughs> <Right>. all... <laughs> <laughs> and... I mean, Alan, that's another thing that I love is that there's just someone that's better than you. I just love that in an antagonist. That happened. Mm -hmm. It absolutely happened. And especially his delay of Taskmaster gave uh, Rachel Vice, Mm -hmm. uh, Milena gave her um, just the right. Yeah, Milena gave her the right opening to 
get that scissor kick going, that scissor flip going and flip <laughs> him, flip her, flip it into mm-hmm. the, the cell and lock him up. But yeah, David Harbour's uh, Red Guardian. But you know, the, the, the real emotional um, hub of the movie was their reunion at the dinner table, no? Mm, yeah, that's true. Did it get you or no? Not at all. Not at you all. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, I think that, oh boy. So we just had a similar thing to this when we were watching uh, Star Trek Discovery season three yesterday. Oh. And have you seen that or no? Season three, yeah. I'm watching season four, but I haven't finished season four yet. Okay, yeah. so in I season so. three, it's season when three. they just are introduced to Adira and Saru is trying yeah. to get the bridge crew to get along. And so they have like a Thanksgiving dinner type of a setup. Oh, yeah. And yep. it's where they're yep. all not getting along, right? At all. And so my wife was like, whew, is that if that isn't like Thanksgiving? at our house right oh and i'm like yeah exactly and so when in this film they're all beefing and like sort of getting along but not really and you can tell that it's going to kind of fall apart and then maybe get pieced back together a little bit that was Mm -hmm. sort of like that same kind of thing but it was Mm -hmm. it was not as messy as i wanted it to be like the discovery version of it was messier because there was like several people that were mad yeah, uh, and that's more of the dynamic as opposed to it just being like one or two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with I think it's just like the numbers thing to where it didn't quite it didn't quite it didn't it wasn't like it didn't work for me, but it didn't work as well as the discovery version did. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you why it worked for me, because the power of what you were describing in, the, in that um, credits montage, mm-hmm. how the girls were handed over it because it wasn't just so yeah that they the family escapes uh shield and they land in cuba where their handlers and their their the people that they are um working for receive them which includes the big bad what's his name again what's his name oh you're talking about uh drakov antonio yeah drakov drakov mm-hmm. okay so where drakov is there and other handlers are there and Alexi goes to Drakov mm-hmm. and first he calms the girls down because mom is shot and she has to be taken away. So she doesn't have, she doesn't have dialogue with them. She doesn't have a, a chance to soothe them or to assure them that it's going to be okay. She gets taken off in an ambulance. So it's up to Alexi and Alexi drops the ball because even though he tries to get the girls to calm down, he then goes to talk to, to, I still can't remember the old because I hate him. So whatever his name is, I'm going to call him Dumkoff. It's goes to talk to Dumb. It's Ray Winston is the actor, but it's Drakov is the character's name. Well, maybe I'll call him Ray Winston to respect his craft. There you go, because he did a gr- he did a great job in making me this character. <laughs> and I, I I usually wind up hating all the bad guys because I, I you know I just I just hate bad guys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't fall in love with bad guys. I don't cheer on the bad guys. I don't. I want them to all fail and be arrested and be put under the prison. Mm. That's how it is for me. Okay. So yeah, so so, so Alexi goes. <laughs> so Alexi goes to talk to uh, Drakov. And the girls get snatched up and mm-hmm. and 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 thrown into this 
you know, this training program and everything. So Alexei really dropped the ball. He really like surrendered his children and they weren't his children, but surrendered these little girls to all this red room training and all this stuff in that montage. And then the girls get separated and they go their separate ways. And Natasha becomes red widow, a black widow. And, and Yelena becomes uh, who she is, which in the comic books, she's called white widow. Mm. She goes and she does that. And they don't come back together to see Alexi until they break him out of prison. And it was also like, you're like, you're saying it's all more fun and it's an action adventure. And Yelena's got quips and Natasha's trying to get uh, Alexi to do the right thing. So he, he could get his ass on, on the helicopter and they trigger an avalanche. I mean, and I'm not an avalanche. It's an avalanche. Yeah. With snow mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it's all action and fun. Ha ha ha. And then they get to uh, Milena and they finally sit down, and now the four of them are back together again. And now it's time to have a fucking conversation because <laughs> look what you did to these kids. Like mm-hmm. these girls are sitting here around this table, like they are killers. They have been on the run. They are now on the run. Their lives have been in danger. Their entire childhood has been snatched away from them. They never had a chance to develop as a well-adjusted, just a normal human being. They're all this other stuff. And it's your fault, dude. And so we're going to just drink wine. Now we're going to eat cake. Bullshit. Answer for your answer for yourself. And the person that brought that home was Florence Pugh as Elena. And I was, that's why I'm on your, I'm on like, you know, team Florence Pugh because her, her gravity, right? Like they're all like Natasha calls out Alexi, then she calls out Milena. And, and that was almost the end of it until Florence Pugh as Elena says to let says to them, you know, it was real for me. You, mm. you guys, mm-hmm. You're talking about this is a this was a mission and it was a job and you're working for these people. But for me, it was the best years of my life. And you're telling me it was all fake. And she got up out of the table. And that's that's that, you know, the awkward um, Thanksgiving, the awkward mm-hmm. dinner, the awkward stuff. But it was the power of that scene and her performance that really brought the heart into the story. Like you you gave your kids up and now you got them back and you're just quipping and joking and, tr- and you think that it's a big happy reunion no it's not y- you fucked up mm-hmm. so that, that Florence Pugh really did did the work in those scenes and I don't think anybody that in my recent memory has a better cry face than Florence Pugh oh she, well and see that's what I knew her from 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 midsummer was she gets in that movie, she, uh, I think they call it keening, uh, mm. to where you're crying mm. so hard that you're just making sounds like you're not even sobbing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and she does that. And that's sort of one of the main, um, the main images uh, that are, that's easily available about that movie. Yeah. 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 But just, just sitting there feeling hurt, the way her, her mouth draws down mm-hmm. a pout. But and it, you know her lips don't quiver, but they do draw down in a way that's like this is emotion. It's not even it's not even something that you do purposefully. It's something when the emotion grips, then your 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 face muscles just start to do their own shit mm-hmm. <laughs> and betray you. <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, she and is her, tremendous. It on her. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. So we get that very powerful scene. And then, like you mentioned, we end yeah. up um we end up yeah. finding our way to the red room, right? Where we get the the sort of um we get the taskmaster, we get the Dracoff of it all, we get the uh the very important plot moment where the widows cannot hurt Drakov. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was one of the points where the first time I watched this, I, my memory is that I may have been drinking Alan, but my memory <laughs> of watching this the first time was that I paused it. Um, because I don't think that I would be able to break my own face to <laughs> get to kill somebody. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could do but it. See, this, but this is Natasha we're talking about, who was raised in the red room <laughs> when her when her so-called father let her get dragged away on this airfield after she flew the the family to safety, mm-hmm. and she had that gun, and she's like, "Don't touch her! I will shoot! I will shoot!" Mm-hmm. This is what is she like? Ten years old at this point, and she's she's leveling a gun at these grown men on this airfield. Like they made her hard. They mm-hmm. trained her to be hard. So breaking her own nose, she's 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 all for it. She don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was that was tough because I was like, oh no, oh no, because you know she's got the kind of look on her face like I know something that you don't, Drakov. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. So that's just something uh, in real life. I don't know that I would be able to to pull that off. Yeah. Well, if if you were raised in the red room from yeah, ten years, that's true. Even earlier earlier than 10 because um when she was when they were leaving the house melania was apologizing to her Mm -hmm. and she was saying in the car i don't want to go back Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. she remembers being in ohio or wherever and being taken by the red room and then she got put on assignment with this family so she knew that she wasn't this little girl and this wasn't her mother and this wasn't her father. But when you're a kid, your emotions are not adult emotions and you will grab onto whatever safety you can find, even if it's from an abusive parent, whatever safety you can find, you're going to take it and accept it as safety. And so, and, oh, well, I'm getting psychology. I'm getting all psychological here, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm not telling any lies. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, even though she knew she was on assignment and whatever, she was still a little girl and she was still enjoying the safety of a mother and a father that she didn't have before. And it was all being taken away from her. So now I'm, we're adult. I have killed people. I blew up a little girl. I, 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 an Avenger, like I do shit. I flip, I pose, I ride motorcycles real fast. I'm the shit. And this motherfucker here has got me got control over me but i know it and i need him to break my nose so i could fuck him up mm-hmm. you know i i thought of something and i'm glad that you brought up the idea of her knowing what it was like to have the life that she wanted mm-hmm. uh, and then having that taken away from her because if you think of the different of different comic characters most of the time they're they're built around tragedy right mm-hmm. they're built around just having a sort of traditional life, not even like a specifically good one. And then something terrible happens or some accident happens or what have you. And what I like about the way that they frame Natasha's character and Yelena actually, is that there was bad stuff that happened to them before they, before we're introduced to them. 
in this movie when they're young. And then they get to this place where, oh, here's what normalcy is like. Here's what happiness is like. Here's how we can just live our normal, regular lives like the rest of these American people. And then they have that yanked from them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such a, a better version than just them being a normal kid and then getting abducted. Mm-hmm. But having them have that sort of past and then knowing like, oh, this is actually good. I should just because they just they show that sort of idealized suburban American shot right at the beginning. Yeah. And they have that very sort of like, oh, everything is just middle America. Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's all taken away. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I wanted to make sure and mention is um, it's a it's a little bit off that topic. But I love love love. <laughs> the choreography in this between specifically between the girls, but I just love the way that this is choreographed with the action sequences, with the fighting specifically, yeah. because like I said, I mentioned the Bourne stuff and it's got a little Jason Bourne to it, to where it's got a ton of, a ton of shots, a ton of cuts and a lot of close quarter fighting. But I think that specifically that kitchen fight between the sisters is so brutal and it is oh, so yeah. and it is so painful looking to where <laughs> a lot of the times you'll see action stuff now and you're like, oh yeah, they're just happen to land flat on their back all the time. And they're just happening mm-hmm. to like hit everything squarely in the middle of something that looks like it's flat or whatever. But mm-hmm. here, like uh it's little like pieces of either CGI or it's using like a false uh a false. A door frame or it's using just a stunt double getting her ass kicked or whatever it is <laughs> uh-huh. right whatever it is i'm like oh jesus like i'm saying oh no <laughs> like a lot in this movie and some of it is <laughs> yeah right at the beginning is where most of it lies is because we have that that brutal kitchen fight and it's again florence Pugh using her face and screaming where she's got the the plate uh in the sink and oh, she's yeah. sort of being choked out and she's just is like she gets she turns from being like an attractive young lady to like animalistic really quickly <laughs> with her face, you know? And it's, it's like, it's like Jesus. It, it's a, it's just a, it's just a surprising little turn that she can, that she can take because I mean, she is a small young woman. <laughs> like she's, yeah. not a, she's not a big lady. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that stood out to me that she's, she's a tiny thing. She mm-hmm. looks tiny. Mm-hmm. did you ever see you know, she uh, can do all those things and did all those things she looked smaller she looked smaller than everybody on the set and go ahead oh i was gonna say did you ever see fighting with my family nope that was the it was when she is um it, it was from 2019 and it's the film where she plays the professional wrestler page and it's a biography of sorts where she's a professional wrestler is she the star of that? Yeah, she's the main girl, but she has black hair, so she looks much different. What? Yeah. I, I never knew it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I'm trying to look. Does I, she I handles believe, the business? Yeah, she does. And I, I'm trying to look here, and I believe that she's like five foot three, maybe. I can uh, believe it. Yeah. I don't yeah. See it so th- they, didn't, they didn't shoot down on her from above. You know, they 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 arrange the camera angles to give her, you know, an equal height most of the time. But there were some things about her body proportions that looked 
like she was shorter and smaller, mm-hmm. like a compact thing. Yeah, so she's yeah, and listed and as she's listed as five foot four, and Scarlett Johansson is five foot three. <gasps> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? True. Now Scarlett Johansson is shorter, shorter than her. That's what they say. Now, of course, Scarlett Johansson. If it's, it's one of those things to where if you narrow it down to like Florence Pugh has a wider face, and Scarlett Johansson has a more narrow face. So yeah. she seems like more squatty than uh, Scarlett Johansson does. And what works about that is David Harbour, who in well, the movie. I am, I am literally. Yeah. Oh, is, is uh, David Harbour in the movie who looks like he is humongous compared to these women, right? Like he yeah. is in real life six foot three. Ah. Uh, so that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they, so kudos to the direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kudos to cinematography because I never got the impression that Scarlett was shorter and smaller. Well, shorter. Let's just say shorter. She's probably not smaller than Florence Pugh, but mm-hmm. she's shorter than Florence Pugh. I always got the impression that that she was taller than Florence Pugh. Yeah, I wonder if they did some of the uh, the little Hollywood tricks to where they maybe you know had her wear some high boots or some lifts or something to where it made her look just slightly taller, or at least the same size or something like that. Yeah, but while we're while we're on Scarlet, let me give her her props mm-hmm. because again that that dinner that dinner scene when like throughout this whole thing, well when you were when you were saying that they were making the transition from that that hard beginning of what the fate of those girls were mm-hmm. to the adventure and the more upbeat up up spirited. I think Scarlett did that by flirting with her handler, right? Oh, like yes. I was waiting for them to kiss. I didn't know, you know, she was giving him them sly little grins and she was like, you know, she, she seemed like she not only just appreciated his work, but like he was her tether to the real world outside mm-hmm. of the Avengers, outside of the red room, outside of all this stuff, even though he was empowering her to go do those adventures and things, but he was just a guy and it seemed like she was like digging him. I, yeah. Digging on old is Rick, it me? On is old it Rick me? Mason, right? That's, yes. what, that's what the character is, is Rick Mason. Uh-huh. Yep. But then at the dinner scene, she brought the gravity back and started, started that dialogue by calling Alexi an idiot. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot. And the way she said it, you could see the, the tears just building up in her eyes, but she wasn't going to let it go. She mm-hmm. was not going to allow herself to fall apart at that dinner table. But she had to say her piece because, like I'm saying, he really fucked it up. Mm-hmm. He, he gave those girls away to a life full, full of, full of abuse and just all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But, but don't you think that that so was his original mission, though? Like, isn't that what he was always going to do? Well, yes, but at any time he's the adult in the room. He could have done something else. Hmm. He could have saved them somehow. Like he could have had them fly somewhere else before they reached the Cuba and let the girls out and let them go live a life somewhere. Or, or, or he could have done something instead hmm. of just handing them over back to the Red Room. That's true. If in those, th- in those three years of being their father, right, in those three years of mocking up a Christmas and a Thanksgiving and all those things that they were trying to do to build this um, – photo album to look like normal people 
having those little girls fall in love with him as daddy, fall in love with her as mommy, and let them play outside and all this stuff. Like I don't, I don't suspect that they were fighting bad guys when they were little girls in Ohio, were they? No. Like they were living no. the three years, right? They were living the three years like a family, and it was Malena that was doing all the scientific work, and and Alexi was the muscle to protect her in case something went down. And when it all went to shit, they left, they had to leave. But I think the little girls were just little girls. And it was, he was the adult. So, and she was the adult. So they could have taken the responsibility to say, you know what? We've given these two girls a nice life. They clearly enjoy it. They need us. And here we are handing them back to the red room. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to fly this plane out of here. We're going to land it in the Bahamas or we're going to land it in Florida somewhere before we go to Cuba and we're going to let them go. And when we get to Cuba, we're just going to tell old dude, oh, you know what? Sorry, they fell out the plane. Oh, what a tragedy. We're so sorry. Um, no, S.H.I.E.L.D. got him. S.H.I.E.L.D. shot him on the on the airway. And oh, our hearts are broken. OK, so now what's next? You know, mm -hmm, they could have mm -hmm. done that at any time, but instead they just handed them over and let them go and get all this traumatization. So you fuck Alexi. I'm not, I'm not, although <laughs> I love, <laughs> but I do love, I do, I do love David Harbour's portrayal of him being the mm -hmm. big goofball who, who came in, in that emotional part for Florence, but for, for uh, Yelena and sang bye-bye Miss American Pie mm -hmm. to show mm -hmm. her I, st I still remember those days and I know that was your favorite song and yes, I messed up, but I, I'm here now, you know, his attempt, David Harbour did a good job with that, mm -hmm. but I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I, I'm not going to, he, he had the redemption arc fighting taskmaster. I, I don't think he got the redemption. I don't feel like he's redeemed for sending those two girls into that life. Mm. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think about uh, the way that our film ends? We have uh, we get Yelena, who's the one who gets to take out Drakov, right? Mm -hmm. Or she takes out the the aircraft or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's when I think that that's when Scarlet, when uh, Natasha is still messing with Tash, Taskmaster. Um, yeah. And, and they're doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> until until she sees Yelena take that backward swan dive after she fucks up the the helicopter mm, then mm -hmm. suddenly natasha learns how to fly mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that now now it went to the fantastic now it was this is big superhero action and it's ridiculous and it's absurd and i love it mm -hmm. because as we know physics works if yelena is falling first and then Black Widow jumps off, off the thing to dive after her. Yelena's going to hit the ground first, and then <laughs> Natasha's going to follow. <laughs> but somehow, somehow, Natasha fell faster than Yelena and caught her. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. all right, whatever. <laughs> it's the MCU of it all, Alan. I love it. I love it. I my my logical brain was fighting, but uh, my emotions my emotions were like fuck it, do it, fly, <laughs> bitch, fly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we get uh, we get a little bit of action where we have where your boy Rick comes back, right? And he's still got that connection with Natasha. Mm -hmm. He uh, I believe gives her a Quinjet toward the end, right? 
Right. And then they're going to go flirty. Yep. And they're going to go do Avenger stuff. Mm -hmm. And then what did you think of the, uh, in, well, her, her, the Black Widow's adventure stuff was leading into which movie? Uh, that's a great question because I don't, I was getting kind of confused with the timeline mm. because she's, they're on the run. So it's after, so it's after the second one, but before the third one, or are they still, or is it after the third one also? It's leading to, I believe it's leading to, leading to Captain America Civil War. So Civil War. Okay. I believe that, oh, so. That's, because... Yeah, that's what I meant by the third one. Yeah, the not not uh, Infinity War, but uh, that's what I always think of as the third Avengers movie for some reason. Because all the Avengers were in it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that is true. But then one of the uh, other all things, of them. all of them, yeah, and that's when they, yeah, that's when they have uh, Tom Holland and everything and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. we should we should also mention the uh, the post credit scene in this one. Yes. So this is when we get the introduction for me, mm-hmm. if we're going chronologically, yes. of Valentina, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what does she do? She sends, she gives Yelena a mission to go after Clint Barton mm-hmm. and says, this is the man responsible for your sister's death. Because the end of the movie ends with with Black Widow going off into Civil War. But the closing credits opens up after not only Civil War, but after the Infinity War. What Infinity War? What's it called? Infinity War. Endgame. Endgame. Infinity War and Endgame. And uh-huh. Endgame. And the end credits open up after the uh, after Endgame because uh, Yelena goes to Natasha's grave mm-hmm. and more Burns and and Miss Miss Alec Miss uh, Valentina D Fontaine Allegra whatever however many names she has mm-hmm. gives her a mission to go after Clint Barton the one who is responsible for your sister's death and dun, dun, dun. and what's interesting about that is I am let's see I'm maybe three episodes into the Hawkeye series as of recording mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I would imagine that and i don't know this i guess but i would imagine that she is in that but she's not in it yet because they're dealing with like the tracksuit mafia and mm-hmm. uh Haley steinfeld's uh being her all tall self because i looked up when i looked up uh, scarlett johansson and saw that she was five three it lists uh, mm-hmm. it lists Haley steinfeld at five foot eight fuck so she's a tall woman excuse me ma'am <laughs> shoot yeah really and so uh so anyway so that's all the farther that we're at i think we're on like the second or third episode and so Uh, we uh, haven't had anything uh, with yelena yet but my impression mm -hmm. is that she would have to be in there but i haven't seen that she is yet so well you're not asking me for any confirmation no 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 no. i'm the i'm the the i'm well aside from you and andrew i am very good at avoiding spoilers um because i just kind of don't read a lot of stuff that people write on the internet (laughs) i just kind of see like the beginning of something and i'm like nah i don't need to see that but uh yeah but anyway the but i'm assuming that she's in it but i guess i don't know for sure because i would imagine that they're trying to develop a secondary group of 
people that would be in Avengers because love those characters. The actors are starting to, you know, see some miles on the tires. They're starting to get a little, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to be seeing. I mean, I, you just cannot have uh, or, or expect Chris Hemsworth to be Thor in another 20 years. You know, I beg your pardon. Sir. There you go. <laughs> Although I did see pictures I've... of him and I was like, oh, my God, what in the That's right. what's I... happening with this man? That's right. He's still ready for mm-hmm. the hammer. He's ready. It's true. But even even if he gets to be 50 years old, he can be King Thor. Oh, there you go. Okay, He can be on the throne of Asgard. Thank you very much. You just leave Chris Hemsworth alone. <laughs> I didn't want to besmirch Chris Hemsworth. Oh, I'm glad that you're there to defend his honor. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I came ready. I came ready to defend all things Marvel. Ah. Well, see, you didn't have to defend too much because I I thought that this was quite good. I know that some people are a lot harder on it than than we are, but I I don't understand the issue. I thought that this was really successful in what it's attempting to do, and I thought that the movie was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm wondering what their original intention were was to let um, movies to the movie screen if there had been no COVID. Like mm. Black Widow would have come out. What do you think would have been the next movie to hit the screens? Okay, so this was supposed to come out in May of 2020. Mm. And so what do we currently have besides, what do we have next after this movie-wise? Is it Eternals? Uh, Shang-Chi? Oh, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, yeah. So that would have been the next one. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Shang. Yeah, you gotta say it like that. Gotta say it like aquafinicism. Or two. Teach me. Teach me how to say it right. I will say it right for the rest of my natural life. You just gotta watch the movie again. They'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll practice and I'll practice. I want to get it right. God damn it. I want to get it right. Yeah. So tell me your pronouns. I will use them. In terms of the films, it was it was Black Widow, Shang Chi, Eternals, and then No Way Home is where we're at. Okay. 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 But what do you think it would have been if there was no COVID and it was all going full guns? Uh, Like, what do you mean? I think the order is still the same, right? Okay. So, okay. Uh, Okay. Gotcha. 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 Because I thought maybe, no, what do you think um, WandaVision would have been on the silver screen or it always Uh was going to be a series? No, that's, that was, yeah, that's a series. And what about uh, Cap, not Cap? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's the series. Yeah, that, those, those are all <laughs> Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> those were both that and Loki and What If and Hawkeye. Those are all developed for Disney Plus specifically. So those those came out as they were supposed to come out. It's just a matter of Black Widow just got pushed behind WandaVision uh-huh. was the only difference, well, I, I think. Then, then I have some industry news for you. Okay. Hawkeye, Hawkeye was slated to be on the silver screen. Really? Yup. And then all this mishmash happened and the producers said, we have a lot of story here. Why should we shortchange this story by uh, pushing it to the silver screen? Let's expand it into a series. Hmm. I don't yeah, know that that would have been... I the article. I don't know that that would have been... Uh... Because I don't, I guess I don't know how, well, 
Black Widow did did plenty of money in the middle of COVID, and Hawkeye Hawkeye just doesn't feel like a cinematic uh, like a cinematic story to me. Well, I guess at least to this point because I'm not done with it. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't feel like it's like it's grand enough or, or wide enough of a scope for a movie. Wait it feels to, like a TV show. I can't wait until you see some 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 of those set pieces. You you okay. may change your tune on that. Okay. I was looking at it with my mouth dropped wide open. I was like, "Oh shit! Hmm. What are they doing?" <laughs> it was incredible. You'll, All right, well, you'll I guess see. we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Alan. Well, anything else about uh, Black enjoy, Widow? Do you think that there? It. Do you think that we're going to have a Yelena Black Widow movie eventually? I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't. What's the world going to look like next year? What is the world going to look like in the, in this summertime? Like, go back. Are we going back to the movies, or is it all now going to be just on? Disney Plus. What Oof. what what's happening, Eric? I Tell don't, me. I wish I could. I wish I had that knowledge. I don't know. I would. I would love to think that if they want to make a movie with Florence Pugh as a headliner in the Marvel universe, that they can still do it. Yeah, she could pull it off, no mm-hmm. doubt. Mm-hmm. Just give her a good story, a good story where she gets to make those rictus faces of fighting as an animalistic badass murderous murder queen <laughs> uh-huh. and give me and, and then write let her do the the pout cry face mm-hmm. better than anybody in the marvel universe and all the funny quips Let, let's hear it because she's so good at that also i would love to know if russians believe that her accent is great because i cannot tell that she's not russian when mm. she speaks yeah, that's interesting. I would I would love to know sort of the feedback on any of these uh, accents, right? Because I don't know that anybody's Russian. <laughs> well, I know Ray Winstone's not Russian. Right. <laughs> I know right. he's an English. <laughs> right. I know he's an English actor. I know that much at least. <laughs> so it would be interesting just to see to have someone be like, "Oh my God, these accents were terrible." But I mean, for me, they you heard them and you're like, "Okay, this is uh, this is a Russian." This is someone trying to do a Russian performance or or a Russian character. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to go be along o- with it. Offended. And then I wouldn't be surprised, although I would be surprised, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised if they sat Florence Pugh down on some talk show and Australian came out of her mouth. Like oh. these, these people just, they always floor me about how good they can do accents, American accents or any kind of accent and why being from like liverpool well, or somewhere yeah i mean i don't mean to to drop a bomb on you but she is from drop england the bomb <gasps> <laughs> my pearls i must grip my pearls well so she's Eng- yeah she's english, she's, she's english she'll speak with an english accent normally yes she does florence and so florence like if she was in, if you were to see her in uh, little women um with uh Greta Gerwig and Shersa Ronan she's uh just using her normal accent there and you knew this before I did well I just knew it because I follow her on Instagram and so she does little like cooking sessions and she's got a very pronounced British accent click (laughs) Instagram click put in Florence Pugh 
I'm there. I'm going. Uh-huh. I'm going to find her. Yeah, because it. I believe I may be mistaken, but I believe that her father is a uh, was a chef and restaurant owner. And so then she has like all these different family recipes that she, when she's not working, will, uh, that she'll like, you know, just, it'll be like cooking with flow, I think is what she calls it. (laughs) So she's got to do it because the rent will be due and she's so destitute and poor. She's got, (laughs) I think it's more like she was bored during COVID. So this is something that she could do. Right on. Well, listeners, there you go. Go find her and and watch her be, be English instead of Russian. <laughs> That's right. That is correct. All right, Alan. So we're going to wrap this one up. If you have any comments, suggestions, or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at, at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod, where you can follow me over there. I'm at EricWilliams79. We also uh, do not have an Instagram account anymore, so I should cut that out. If you wanted to help out the show a little bit, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Mr. Alan White, Mr. New Mutant himself for coming on. If people wanted to hear more from you, get in touch with you or purchase something from you, hey. where could they do that? Right. Okay. So you could just go to Twitter at New Mutant, right? No numbers, no spaces, no underscores, just New Mutant. I snatched it up real early and I've got links to stuff. I've done The Power Principle, Volume 2, The Director's Cut. I have had a successful Kickstarter. Thank you, everybody who pledged. And I have mailed them all out. They're all out there. I don't, I thank you. Thank you for that process. I'm, I hope people are enjoying it. And I have some books left. So if you contact me, I can help you out and let you have some. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you for listening. And you can join Alan and I next week. Next week as a release as we discuss the Marvel Disney Plus series. Series, not movie, series. Got it, got it. WandaVision. (laughs) Load up on guns and bring your friends. It's fun to lose and to pretend. She's overboard and self-assured. Oh, no.